So we are going to talk about the future of the deep end podcast, picking it up from where we left off. The future of the deep end is going to be decided some, in some ways by you. So here's what we want you to do down in the comments on Facebook. And we'll wait. Of course, people are probably logging back on now. I don't know. But on the comments yeah. on Facebook, if you will, let us know the biblical book you'd like us to talk about next. Mm. The biblical book we'd like to study next. Yeah. Your opinion matters. We want to hear from you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Remember that this podcast is going to uh, is the replacement for like those old school uh, Wednesday night Bible study uh, services. Yeah. So where do we go from here? Now, next weekend, or this weekend at Waters Church in North Attleboro, we are doing a series, and in one socket, we are doing a series called Hot Topics. And so we want to let you know what the podcast is going to do, the Wednesday podcast is going to do from that. We're having live question and answer responses to questions that are asked in response to the difficult topics that we will cover this weekend and the following weekends in our Hot Topics series. You don't want to miss it this weekend. Human, Exciting. Human sexuality. I'm sure nobody has any questions about this topic. No, we're all in agreement on <laughs> yeah. that one. Next week, next Wednesday, we are talking about that here on the podcast. Question and answers. Don't, don't miss it. Join us. Yeah. But this week, are you ready? Here we go. Closing it out. Finally, 1 Corinthians 16. We're going to talk about the business of the gospel. And you say, Pastor... I don't like the word business and Christianity. Christianity is not a business. No, business just means some type of industry whereby you produce something. And so there is a production to the gospel. There is a business to the gospel. Let me tell you, the gospel is business. It is a business. Now, in our economy and in the world outside the church, business is all about making products Mm. or money and some combination of both. And... I don't uh, fault anybody for attempting to make a product and make money. You should, and you should make the world a better place with your product and help people flourish in their enjoyment of God's good creation. However, in the gospel, uh, in the church, the the business is not a product. The the business is not making money. The business is making disciples. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, go therefore, Matthew 28, 19, and make disciples, not money, Mm. not buildings, not programs, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm with you to the end of the age. Mm. So the church, listen to me very carefully, does not exist to make you comfy cozy until you die and go to heaven. The church does not exist to agree with all of your philosophies about life. The church does not exist to glorify you and your talents and your gifts. And the church does not exist to fight your social agenda in politics or philosophy. The church exists to make disciples of Jesus. Jesus, who laid down his life for his enemies and laid down his life for us. And so we exist to continue the work of Jesus. I remember in this past series, Be the Church, we prefaced the whole series with the fact that the book of Acts opens with saying, uh, Paul Luke saying, in my former book, I talked to you about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And now in this book, I'm continuing to talk about what Jesus began to do and teach. But Jesus doesn't show up except for two places in the book of Acts. Right. And so the continuation of Jesus' ministry in the world is through the people who follow Christ. People are people who are saved by Christ. Amen. So we Good. are all about that here at Waters Church, the business of the gospel. That's why I have Chris and Shane on today, because Chris is our pastoral care director. He's the guy who will 
hug you and love you and kiss you and I care. talk to you yeah. and kiss you. To I don't you. Oh, oh, easy now. Well, yeah, I know. Careful with the kisses. Yeah. Careful. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Shane over here, he's the guy who does the uh, nuts and bolts. He puts things together. He gets mm. things moving. He is the guy who manages the financial life of this church. And I'm just the guy who stands up on stage and looks pretty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy who teaches the scriptures. Right. But uh, that's what you got to have in a church. I think a healthy church is, is, is led by three, those three components. Someone who does the, ca- the care for people's heart, hurts and, 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 and issues, which is always uh, the struggle of the church. Somebody who does the, 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 the maintenance of the church and the ministry components of the church and the business components. And then somebody who just says, look, this is the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. So that's what happens here with us three. I think we make a pretty good team. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Did did we get into the first part about my shirt? I just want to make sure. They got that, but everybody needs to know about the shirt. Back up and show them the shirt. Just kidding. No, you should. Okay. I like the shirt. Let's get back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Here we go. Here we go. The last chapter. Mm. Verses 1 to 4, Paul says Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, uh, he says, You also are to do. On the first day of every week, and remember the early church met on the first day of the week instead of the last day of the week because right. in the Jewish system, the Sabbath was the last day. But in the Christian faith, we put the Sabbath you know, in practice. There really is no Sabbath in the Christian faith. There is what we call the worship day or the Lord's day. Mm, right. uh, that is the first day of the week. Now, I shared a message about this a few weeks ago, and I do believe it is true that Christians should Sabbath, which means take one day a week off from what your business or what your work, regular work is, do something other than what you do for a living. It is healthy for you. It is a scriptural principle in the Old Testament. It is not to be legalized, legislated, sorry, legislated in this Christian community. And there's biblical text for the proof of that. But basically on the first day of the week, they came together and they worshiped. And he says, listen, when you come to worship, each of you put uh, aside something and store it up as you may prosper. This is, he's talking about money. And there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Mm. Okay. I got seven points today. And we're done. Help me, God. <laughs> Get through these seven. What time's line? <clears throat> and I'm going to basically just give you the gospel business. And the gospel business in this text. And what I love about 1 Corinthians chapter 16 is Paul is done with teaching the church about practical implications of the gospel for their morality, and now he's kind of giving us a little bit of a insider's view of the church in the first century and how the church in the first century interacted and worked together to make the gospel happen in other countries and cultures and other cities. Because, again, at the end of the day, Paul's heart was not to just sit here all day and write letters micromanaging the moral lives of Christians, and that's not my desire either. His ministry was, let's get the gospel out. Right. Let's get the message of Jesus as far and as wide as possible. Yeah. And that must be the church's mission still today. It is not my desire to tell you how to live morally. I will tell you what the scripture says about moral issues. It is your decision whether you're going to believe it or not, whether you're going to trust God or not with your body, with your finances, with your lifestyle. It's up to you. I present to you the scriptural truth. I am not going to sit there and worry about, is everybody doing what God says? Because I am not your mommy. I am not your daddy and i don't want to be okay Uh, (laughs) good i am i am a gospel driven pastor who wants to see people far from god brought into a relationship with jesus amen Amen. yes and you guys embody that too 
well here. So I gave you guys the points there on that note. We're ready. We're and good. you guys can just actually say the points for me. So Chris, give Correct. us number one. A gospel number division. one. Gospel business is defined by what? By regular scheduled and planning giving to the ministry of the gospel. Regular scheduled and planned giving. Yes. Because Paul is saying, when you come together, you got to save up some money, and then I'm going to have you give me the money so I can take it to the church in Jerusalem and give them the money. Right. And this is the imperative of the church still to this day, that those who receive the gospel by faith are now um, <clears throat> are now accountable to the funding of the gospel right. for future generations of the gospel. Sure. And by future generations, I am not necessarily just talking about young people. I am talking about the elderly who need to get saved and the young people who need to get saved and the middle-aged who need to get saved and everybody in between who needs to get saved. Generationally in the gospel, it is not by age or demographic, age demographic. It is by spiritual age demographic. So a 14-year-old preacher could lead an 80-year-old man into Christ. And, you know, spiritually speaking, that 14-year-old preacher kind of becomes a spiritual father to that 80-year-old man. Now, of course, we still, no, we we have young people are to respect and and honor their elders no matter what. But in the church, that is the generational structure. And so if you've come to faith in Christ... I, I I have to make sure that you're clear about this. You you have received an enormous gift. Mm. God has become your father. He's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. Now it's your job to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And in some ways, you're going to be the financial backer to the message of Jesus. Right. This is why we pass the bucket still to this day at Waters Church on the weekends. Sure. This is why we ask you to give regularly to giving campaigns such as uh, Kingdom Builders, which we're still into right now. Mm. Right. And we are on the precipice of signing a lease with the uh, city, with a landlord in the city of Woonsocket. Awesome. Good news for the Woonsocket crowd over there. Mm. Your building is on the way. And we're going to need you to give to that, too, so that we can renovate that building and make it fantastic. For the sake of the gospel. Right. Because ultimately it's not, again, about keeping you comfy as a Christian until you die and go to heaven. It's about seeing that church take off and reach people far from God in Winsaka yeah. for the gospel. How's everything going on the stream? Good? We're yeah. good? Okay, yeah. good. Just want to make sure. So, gospel business is defined by regular schedule to plan. If you're not a tither, become a tither. Mm. And by this, I mean regular. So, every week, and this is what I do with my finances, the very first thing out of my paycheck is the tithe to God's house here at Waters Church. Then I give to uh, missions, works, and other things above my tithe. And some Christians don't even realize what the tithe is. Yeah. The tithe, literally the word means one-tenth. And it is not so, it is not that $100 bill that you suddenly throw in the bucket last minute. Look at what Paul says. Make a plan. Make a plan to keep saving up so that you can be ready to give. And now here he's not talking necessarily about the tithe. Okay, uh, the tithe, we can make other arguments from other scriptures right. about the tithe. But right here he's talking about generous giving to a church in a different city, the Jerusalem church. Yeah. So there has to be, in every, I think there's a, a call for Christians to be um, faithful with their financial management so that they are empowered to give. Yeah, when the opportunity presents itself. When the opportunity yeah. presents itself. And so many of you do that. So many of you. Big time gifts came in for um, Kingdom Builders. Yeah. I am, yeah. every time we do a, a, a campaign for giving, I'm always blown away by the generosity of the people here yeah. at Waters Church. Thank you so Great. much for what you've done. And Woonsocket people giving big time too. Amen. So yeah. good job, everybody. But that's our job. We are responsible for that next generation of faith 
And I say this all the time to people who don't give but love to complain about the sure. the, the uh, cultural oh. corruption around us. Yeah, you're going to say you're Uh-oh. not contributing anything. Yeah. So stop complaining. <laughs> like if you don't like the moral deterioration of your culture and you're not giving to the gospel mission of Jesus, yeah. shame on you. You are yeah. the you are the equivalent of a political pundit on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. They love to talk about the problem, yeah. but they don't do anything do about the problem. Do something about it, Amen. And, and 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 so anyway, it's it's really nice to see also this uh, outrage about these children being separated from their families on the right. news networks. Yeah, mind you, none of these people are actually doing anything. No, but they're using this. They're using this thing. Even the president and the people who oppose them, they're all using it for their political pandering. Yeah, and it's like Christians don't. Don't fall into that trap, either on the left or right. Don't fall into the trap. Here's what you can do. You can foster a child. Yeah. Here's what you can do. You can give to Compassion International. Yeah. Here's what you can do. You can sponsor a child. Yeah. You can give to things that are hurting, that are helping hurting children. Instead of just being one of these loudmouth blabbermouths mm. on social media, why not rather take your money out of your wallet and do something that helps a child? Right. Yeah. It's easy to be on the keyboard. Just type, oh, yeah. Type in a bunch Love of it. Yeah. Anywho, and, and and so anywho, in the church, we take responsibility as as church, as people who have been so dramatically blessed by God's grace to send it forward, to pay it forward mm. in our giving. Okay, number two. Shane, you want to give us number two? A shared financial responsibility for the ministry of the church. A shared financial responsibility for the ministry of the church. So you say, well, what does that have to do? That's like the same thing as number two. But nah, what he's doing here is... Uh, he's collecting money not for the church in Corinth, but he's collecting money for the church in Jerusalem. Okay. And so he's saying, look, we're going to minister to these guys because they're poor right now. Yeah. And Jerusalem was experiencing a famine around this time, and so the church struggled as well. Mm. And this is the church's job to give to fellow Christians not in our city. Yeah, that's we've, great. So we've done that. Yeah. We do that. And Shane, I'd like you to share. What do we? How do we give money that people give to our church to people who are Christians in other contexts? Oh, we've we fund ARC. We make a monthly contribution to ARC, and they fund churches all over the world. Church planting, yes. Church planting. Yeah. And then we uh, have sponsored uh, church plants in New England ourselves. Uh, some of these uh, smaller churches, we, we bought them equipment. And yes. We give to Mana Missions in India. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. We give to the Providence Rescue Mission yep. here in this city. We're going this week. We give to a, co- a cor- organization called One Child. This is an orphanage in uh, South Africa, or, or um, child help program in South Africa. Okay. Yeah, One Life. One Life. Sorry, One yeah. Life. Uh, we give to El Salvador. Uh, we started actually a child development center for Compassion International. That was a, I believe, what was the investment? $17,000 or something like that, or yeah. even uh, higher. I think it was 20000 the initial, and yeah. then many of you give monthly. Then we give to a mission work in Spain to preach the gospel to Europeans. Then we give to the American Bible Society to get Bibles in the hands of persecuted Christians around the world. Mm. We when, have an orphanage in India too. Yes, that's Man of Missions. Yep. Oh yeah, we actually we actually fund the entire orphanage. We yep. put bathrooms in place for them. Yep. But anyway. Um, the thing is, is the church has got to do this. Like, yeah. my brothers in India need my assistance, and if I have the assistance, it's my job to give to them. Right. And so the church is one way. The community, the local church is one way that you can be internationally invested because we will partner with international ministries and help 
pour your funds into those ministries. And I remind you this, one-tenth of all that comes into our church goes out to those organizations. Right. And uh, that gets bigger and bigger because our finances keep getting better and better every year because of your financial giving. Yeah. But we have that response. This is the business of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So Paul then says in 1 Corinthians 16, 5, 7, he says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you, even spend the winter with you, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. Now, what I what I love about this passage is Paul's like, I'm going to come hang out with you guys. Yeah. But if you remember reading through the entire book of 1 Corinthians, Paul has been basically dropping truth bombs on these people. <laughs> yep, sure. Like he has been saying, um, stop sleeping together. You're immoral. Uh, your, your church gatherings are a disgrace. Uh, you need to stop being chaotic in your speaking in tongues and spiritual gifts. You're all selfish. You're all divisive. Uh, your women need to be silent. Stop exploding the floor. Stop ignoring the week. I mean, he has been leveling them. And then he's like, by the way, I'm coming to hang out. You're right. <laughs> yeah. For the winter. Yeah. yeah. And I'm for a while. For, the whole for a winter. while. Right, right. So uh, it is all indoors weather. So we're going to be like nice and cozy for yeah. five months. So I thought like, this is a real great principle for gospel business. Uh, and is a great principle for you, Water Church members. Number three is this, the ability to be challenged in the word of God without getting offended and leaving. Okay. Mm. This is good gospel business. Can you come to our church and listen to what the scriptures say and not get offended and say, I'm done, I'm leaving? If you get offended with like a joke that I tell, fine. Let us know. Maybe I shouldn't have told the joke. If you get offended with some song that is played like in pre-service is not not Christian, you know, and that's happened. And we say, you know what, maybe we shouldn't have played the song. Fine. Get offended by those things. But if it's from the word of God, if it's from the especially the New Testament, right. mm-hmm. and we're telling you that, and then you get all huffy and puffy and you leave? Mm-hmm. You, are you a Christian? Like, mm-hmm. let me just ask you. Are you a God. disciple or are you Here we go. Are yep. you a me, <laughs> me person? Are you a, are you a self-elevated kind of, I know what's right and you, how dare you challenge me? That's mm. Look, that's not the ministry of Jesus. That's not the attitude of yeah. the church. It's not humble. A, church, a Christian is a disciple. The root of disciple is discipline. A Christian is willing to be disciplined through the word of God yeah. to live more like Christ. And this is hap- what's happened in uh, public education, what's happened in university education actually right now, is this, in- in- this inability to be taught. Like the students are triggered by everything nowadays. I keep hearing all these reports like this idea. Well, don't offend me with things that I don't agree with. Well, yeah. that's not education. friend. Education is supposed to expose you to ideas that are different than yours. Mm-hmm. That the word university comes from the uni- word universal, which meant a university of ideas come into one locale and people discuss and debate and argue and fight and fuss. And then maybe they even write doc- doctoral dissertations about them eventually and so on and so forth. That's universe. That's education. Yeah. And this is being this is like a lost art almost, it seems, in the world, in the society that we live in. Yep. Um, but in the church, uh, we have a final authority. It is the word of God. And when it is proclaimed, please don't be one of those Christians that gets upset and offended by everything. Some yeah. people are so touchy in the church. They're so touchy. Don't talk about that. Don't talk about this. Don't offend. Don't say this. Don't say that. No, if it's in the scriptures, we're going to say it. Now, we're going to say it in a way that's hopefully helpful. Right. And compassionate yeah. uh, and nuanced with your societal proclivities and all those kind of things. Right. But at the same time, 
there's going to be a rubber hits the road moment. Sure. And probably particularly with this series coming up. So are you going to be offended and walk out the door? Or are you going to stay in and say yes? Yes to Jesus. What are you going to say to me? Okay, number four, Paul's going to tell us this. Uh, Chris, give us number four. Number four, cross-cultural involvement, interest, and constant intersection. Yeah, I love this because um, Paul mentions, he mentions five Roman provinces in 1 Corinthians right. 16. Yeah. He mentions Galatia, which was all stuck up in legalism okay. and, was a, and was a mixture of many different cultures. That's the Galatian region. It's not a Galatian city. It's a region of many different cultures. Mm. He mentions Macedonia, which was like a country, uh, an entire continent in those days. They would consider it a continent. It's much smaller than a continent today. But in their understanding of the geographical uh, layout, it was a continent. He mentions Achaia. He mentions Asia. These are very, in Judea, he mentions five very different cultural centers of the world. Right. And he says, I'm going to all of them, and I'm invested in all of them, and we're going to change all of them through the gospel. Amen. Yeah. This is what I'm trying to say to you guys. There is an internationality to the Christian message. Mm. The Christian message is not the American message. Right. So many times we conflate, and we do this in American Christianity all the time, we conflate American pride with Christian faith. Yeah. And when we do that, we lose our prophetic voice to challenge America where America goes wrong. Yeah, that's good. You know, and this is why we can't play politics in church because both political parties are right and wrong about many things. Sure. Yeah. And the church has to stand up to both parties and say, this is God's word. Yeah. But, you know, this is through the disciple-making process. So, again, yeah. when you are a Republican and you become a Christian, you are now more Christian than Republican. Right. When you are a Democrat yeah. and you become a Christian, you are now more Christian than a Democrat. Mm. And the same is true for um, ethnicities. Mm. When you are a Latino and you become a Christian, you are now more Christian than a Latino. Yep. Black, more Christian than black. White, more Christian than white. And, and those things, those divisive areas of our culture should be answered by the church in a prophetic community that says, though we come together from all walks of life and all worldviews, in Christ we are one, and that is first. His worship, mm. his name, his gospel, his grace yes. is the primary identifier of who I am. Right. And so the Christian gospel is not... The white man's religion, the black man's religion, the Latino man's religion. It is a religion. It, not religion. It is the faith for all mankind. Right. That's yeah. right. Yep. And we're going to talk about that in our series coming up, and I'm so excited. Don't miss that message. But anyway, the, the Christian gospel also is not a male gospel. It is right. not a female right. gospel. We want to always say uh, that men and women are equal in the eyes of God, different in their skill sets, different in their positions, different in their what they do in many respects, not many respects, in a few respects, but they are one in Christ Jesus. Right. And so where you see in the culture, you see this constant battle between the female and the male, and it's played out one way or another. And it seems like right now the cultural pendulum is giving like almost like an overabundance of, uh, yeah. you know, kind of support to female dominance over the male because males have dominated for so long in the society. And I'm not here to argue those things. What right. I am here to tell you, though, as the church, it is our job to say, no, wait a second. They're equal in value and worth before God. Mm. 
So why do I say that? There must be in the gospel business, again, number four, cross-cultural involvement, interest, and constant right. intersection. So here's the thing. If you don't have friends who are Christians who are very different than you in all those areas, make some. Yeah, that's good. Find some. Talk they're, to them. They're here. They they're, are here in our church. Our church has grown enormously diverse yeah, ethnically. So much so. I love it is it. a beautiful reflection of the heart of God. Yeah. And by the way, it is what heaven is because John in Revelation says, I saw a number of men from every tribe, nation, tongue. Yeah. So if you don't like multicultural <laughs> community, you are going to hate heaven. Um, <laughs> this is why you have to start talking to people who come from a different walk of life than you, who have a different experience than you. Learn their stories. Find out who they are because you will be a better Christian for it. Yeah. So true. And uh, that's what I'm going to be challenging the church to do in our next series as well. Love it. Hot topics. Oh, I can't wait. Hot topics. But the, the, the intersection, constant intersection, make friends with them, talk to them. And this is Paul's attitude. I don't care where God sends me. I don't care what kind of people he sends me. I am bringing the gospel. Yeah. Because God loves the entire world. Amen. And the message is for the entire world. Mm. Anyway. Yep. Verse 8, he says, I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. And I love this verse. Check this verse out. For a wide door from effective work has opened to me. And by work, there it is, mm. the business of the gospel. Right. Work is a business term. For a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Mm. This brings us to number five. Give us number five, Shane. Anticipated opportunity and opposition at the same time and in the same place. Yes, the gospel will have wonderful opportunity and diehard opposition yeah. uh, everywhere it goes in some measure. Right. In America, not so much. You know, the gospel is free to be preached. It is free to be practiced, lived out. It is free. I mean, yes, there are some small little blips on the screen yeah. that are starting to rise up, and we're going to talk about that coming up, about the Christian's right and whether we should bake cakes for gay weddings and right. all that kind of stuff. Sure. This, these blips are happening. But let's talk about this in a rational perspective of the whole globe because our Christian brothers and sisters in India yeah, are far more opposed yeah. legislatively and culturally than we ever have been in this country. Right, sure. <laughs> but the point that Paul makes is no matter where the gospel goes, some people are going to love it. Mm. Some people are going to hate it. Yeah. The people hating it does not discount it. And then the people loving it does not affirm it. What do I mean by that? I mean that we don't base the truthfulness of the gospel yeah. on the results of the people to which it is preached. That's good. The gospel is true no matter who accepts it or rejects it. Oh, amen. There have been cities and nations mm. over the history of the 2,000-year Christian movement that have outlawed Christianity. It does not make Christianity or the gospel false right. or untrue or powerless it's that's not true we don't measure the 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 truthfulness of the gospel by the results of the gospel mm. the gospel is the power of god unto salvation to the jew first and to the gentile and all whom the lord will call to himself will respond to the gospel that is our great hope mm. that is our great trust yeah that is where our convictions lie and so, yes, we are up here in New England, which is far more, I would say, hard to reach with the gospel oh, than yeah. maybe Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe a little. But it does not make us say, 
oh, maybe the gospel is not true. It does not make us mm. question what we are doing. And here's what I always say to the church, and I say it all the time. You guys are probably going to get sick of me saying this. I don't want to run into some guy who struggled for the gospel in a Muslim-dominated right. country yeah. all his life in heaven yeah. without having struggled in my context, yeah. without complaint, here on earth in, in, when I meet him in heaven. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. I am oh, going yeah, yeah, yeah. to, and some of you Christians who get offended by every little thing, <laughs> mm. some of you Christians who uh, let the world shape you more than Christ shape mm. you, you're going to run into some people in heaven, and it's going to be embarrassing because they gave their literal blood yeah. for Christ. Amen. And that's going to be an awkward conversation <laughs> for you. My point is that our hope and trust and our confidence comes from the fact that the gospel is true. Yeah. It is not from, oh, wow, our church is really growing. We must be right. No. Yeah. The church will grow because the gospel is preached, but the results do not lend validity, uh, validity right. to the message. The message is true. Yeah, that's great. All right. So we will anticipate opportunity, and we will anticipate opposition no matter right. where we go. Then he says in verse 10, look at this passage. When Timothy comes, see that you put him on ease among you, for he is doing the work, again, business, the work of the Lord as I am. Mm. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Okay, gospel of business is uh, defined by number six, investment and empowerment of young men in ministry. And yes, men in ministry. Because if there is one thing that I think is most necessary in our context, and mm -hmm. here in Paul's context evidently, is the need for us to say to young men, you are the leaders of the church. Yeah, You, you are able to affect cultural and societal change through gospel ministry, you young men are able to tear down demonic strongholds, mm. heal sick people, yep. uh, preach the gospel powerfully, yeah. minister and lead in the community in faith. Because there is something about the Christian message in America. It has, um, and this is just a fact, more American Christians are women than men. Mm. It, it it is a very female friendly message in that regard. These just the facts lay this out, and somehow getting lost in the weeds is those young men. Yeah, I think actually what happens in many churches is the men who get catered to in the ministry of the church are the older men. Okay. Now that's not wrong because we should honor them, but we have to find ways to say older men, yes. Thank you for you, but can you help us reach younger men? Yeah. Because if we don't reach those younger men, we will lose that generation. Right. Yeah. And look at the world, look at the culture, look at the society at large. It is losing young men mm -hmm. in incredible ways. We need to make an investment in young men uh, in our church. Yeah. And so that's why our church, if you come to our church on the weekend, you'll see is, is a very young men kind of place. Yeah. The style, the decor, the songs, the, the, the leaders, everything. Because those young men need to be empowered right. yep. in Christian ministry. Yeah. Timothy himself was a young pastor in Ephesus in the first century, mm -hmm. and he was doing some itinerant work here with Paul, and he was coming to Corinth. And Paul says, listen, don't despise this guy. Right. Don't look down your nose at this young man. He's mm -hmm. a mighty man of God. He, and evidently, Timothy had some personal issues. Yeah. Because if you read First and Second Timothy, he's always like, 
Paul's always kind of saying, okay. Timothy, yeah. you're strong, Timothy. <laughs> you yeah, can do it. <laughs> don't let anybody look down on you, Timothy. Fan of the flame, the gift of God. Timothy, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. <laughs> God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of self-control, power, and love. God, uh, you know, in the presence of God, I, pr- I say to you, preach the word. I mean, read the verse, uh, the book of First and Second Timothy, and Paul is constantly saying, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. <laughs> and it's like, man, we need to say that to our young men. It's true. Yeah. You can do this. Yeah. You are a mighty man of God. I say this to my my boys, mm. and sometimes they aren't so much men of God. <laughs> Let's be honest, they're young boys, yeah. and they're naughty, and they get into mischief. <laughs> but I pull them aside, and I have conversations with them, and I say, no, you are a mighty man of God in the making. That's great. God's going to use you. Yeah. Are you saying that to your young men? Mm. Are you saying that to your, your children from a very early age? Mm. And yes, young women too, but I think that the church usually overlooks young men. Just right. in our nature. Yeah. And we've got to get away from that. We've got to invest and empower young men in ministry. Jesus invested in young men. Yeah. He picked 12 disciples, all male. Right. And then um, he appoints apostles, teachers, prophets, and evangelists. And, and those uh, ministries, primarily in the scriptures, you see them through the mail. We had this conversation about women in ministry a, long, a couple of weeks ago. Right. Yeah. And you know that you guys have heard what I've taught you from the Word of God. Yeah. It is supposed to be the males who teach and feed God's people in the church, right. not saying women are invaluable are not, not valuable. Yeah. It's saying there's that one role in the church. And again, I will reemphasize that does not mean that the Genesis 1, 28 to 29 cultural mandate is only for men. That's for both men and women because right. he says it to both. He says, multiply, rule the earth, subdue it. So business enterprise, marketplace enterprise, educational enterprise, no matter what gender can lead those things. But in the church, the teaching, the doctrinal instruction of the church is reserved for the male uh, leaders of the church. So we need to empower men mm-hmm. to be godly leaders. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the business of the gospel. So number, uh, before we get to number seven, let me read verses 15 to 18. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these, and to every follower, uh, every fellow worker and laborer. Again, all these words that Paul uses is business, business, business. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus, Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaius. The Bible has some great names. Yeah, really. Because they have made up for your absence, for they refresh my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. Okay. Mm. Gospel business number seven is defined by uh, Chris. Whole family involvement in gospel work. Whole family. Because he he admonishes this household. And I want to just say this as we close up this talk, that it is not, our church does not exist just for one member of your family. Right. And we want as, as much as possible to have a ministry that is uh, geared toward your age group, mm-hmm. your teens, your tweens, your children, yeah. uh, your marrieds, your singles. This is why small groups That's are so right. important. Yes. Right. And there's so, so many, many different, different types. Kinds. Yes. So we want to see all those groups engage mm. so that your whole house, your whole family yeah. can grow in Christ. Great. Now. Yeah. If you have an unbelieving family member, they're not going to be, you know, we're not going to challenge the people to serve. Right. Although if they want to, we'll gladly let them serve in some areas. Sure. Even sure. If they Who, don't knows? Believe. Who knows? But the point is that Paul's saying the household matters. So I would say this to parents who are listening. Are you doing the work necessary to get your teens to elevate on Wednesday nights? Yeah. Bring your tonight. teens out tonight. Tonight. 
Bring your. I know it's a pain because I. It was a pain for me before my daughter got her license. Okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. you you've got to drive them there. You got to pick them up. It is an investment mm. in their spiritual life. Yeah. You will take them to practices. You will take them to hockey. You will take them to football. You right. will take them across the earth for an awards show. Right. But will you take them to your church to get the gospel in them? So much Josh more. Josh Vining does a fantastic job, and he works he sure so does. hard yeah. investing in your teens. Get them there. If you don't get them there, you, you, you will lose out yeah. because your kids need Christ. Amen. And you say, well, they're Absolutely. not very interested, and I have to drag them. Drag them kicking and screaming, for yeah. heaven's sake. So what? If your child wakes up on sun, on Monday morning in September and says, I don't like school, right. and he starts kicking and screaming about school, you don't say, well, I don't want to force it on him. You know, That's <laughs> below you. Get to the bus stop right now right? before I break your legs. Yeah. I mean, that's what you say as a parent. In the church, can you have the same kind of value system toward the gospel, Yeah, toward Jesus? And if they get to 18 and they hate it and they don't want anything, well, then that's when you can let them do what they want unless they live with you. Then I think you have a case to be made there for saying, nope, in my house, we're going to church. Right. But if they're out of the house and they're adults and they don't want it, well, then then at that point, you hit your knees and you ask the sovereign God of the universe to reach into their lives and change right. them. Amen. But whole house ministry. Okay. And so let's just close up these last first last verses in First Corinthians sixteen. First mm. uh, Corinthians sixteen nineteen says, "The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla, together with the church in their house, send you greet, uh, uh, greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss." And I thought, "There's one more. I didn't give it to you guys. There's okay. one more. Gospel business is defined by number eight: regular kissing." We started with kissing. We'll end with kissing. Just okay. kidding. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Just kidding. Okay. No, that was a hey, bad joke. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, don't don't start. Don't kiss. Please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No kissing. It was. It was. You no. Know, let me just let yeah. me just teach you about this a little bit because it was just it was a cultural thing <laughs> and in the and in some cultures still today yeah. you kiss people on the cheeks. I think the French don't they still do this? Or the well, Italians? like in the Godfather, the movie. Yeah. The yeah. But you know, there's still cultures around the world where yeah. if you don't kiss in greeting, it's offensive. Yeah. So the point I think that we can draw, gather from this is listen, um, be be outgoing toward one another. Right. Like yes shake people's hands and if you come to church on the weekend don't just if you're a christian don't just scoot in scoot out mm. take some time in the lobby yeah. hang out talk to some people yeah uh, if you don't get into small group uh get in a small group get into that community sense of hey let's let's connect because right. yeah. you need it finally he says That's in good. verse 21 i paul write this greeting with my own hand why does he say that because uh there were um uh, in the in most of the books of the Bible, people don't know this. There were ghost writers. So, for instance, the Gospel of Mark is actually the Gospel of Peter, uh, but Mark was Peter's uh, amanuensis. This is a fancy word for saying it was he was his ghost writer. Yeah. He was his assistant or scribe who wrote down. So, I was just thinking about this. Like the the church um, needs people who can put stuff down on paper. Yeah. And it needs people who can proclaim stuff. Uh, I'm actually looking for a ghostwriter. <laughs> Let me put it out there. I really am because yeah. I have a couple of book ideas I want to run some people, some, some, buy some mm. people. If you are a ghostwriter, if you are very good at grammar and writing, uh, please contact me. Only, only men, by the way. Uh, I'm going to be looking into this. Mm. Uh, and I say men because we'll be working closely together and I don't want any kind yeah. of sign of impropriety. But anyway, yeah. uh, that's something that I'm just throwing out there. I don't know if there's somebody listening to this and you might be really great at grammar and mm. writing 
let me know. I got some ideas. I want to put some books out for Waters Church cool. Ministry yeah. to get some people some some good uh, resources in their hands. Love it. Anyway, that's First Corinthians. You are now experts in First Corinthians. <laughs> Rewatch all the episodes before really. we come back. Yeah. 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 Not really. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Deep Ed Podcast, June 28th, 2018. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Thank you for dealing, um, waiting patiently for us during the technical difficulties, but it was worth it, wasn't it? Sure was. If for nothing else. I feel the, the pineapple shirt. The, the Florida shirt Just right in case here. You missed it. For <laughs> nothing you missed else. It. Summer starts tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, this was the Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's Deep End Podcast. We pray that you continue to grow in your faith and that you would serve and support your local church. If you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us this weekend at Waters Church. We are located at 57 John Deach Square in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. And you can join us every Saturday at 4 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. Make sure to stay tuned in for next week's episode of The Deep End Podcast.